0: Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." And in First Corinthians chapter 12, as we look, I think, we're think, talking about spiritual gifts tonight, 1 Corinthians 12, <coughs> verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give it you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's a very important phrase there. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits; to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Uh, so I'm going to look and think, talking about spiritual gifts tonight. You know, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to look into your word. We thank you that... You gave gifts unto men. Father, I pray you would help us to seek to be usable in your service, for your honor and for your glory. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes you have people, I remember that was here, we had some people join and they had their eyes on a certain office. And neither one qualified. Neither one qualified, but they had their eyes on. You know, a lot of times people, people, they want a certain position, and I think if they have a certain position, that makes them somebody. Well, that's not true in the body of Christ. Um, you know, the, as we read in, the gifts are given to profit the body. Yeah, every part of my body is not to exalt that one part, but to profit the whole body, even if it's insignificant to the appearance. And 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 so we understand that you know that God gives gifts uh, to profit with all, not so that we can have a position or have glory. And I want to notice, first of all, the requirements for usable gifts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the first requirement is a, re- a surrendered life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, except unto one of God, which is your reasonable service. So the first requirement for having a gift that's, even u- that's usable in the church, no matter how talented you are, is a surrendered life. A surrendered life, he says, you have to present your body a living sacrifice. Now, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means to be a continual sacrifice. Continue. The idea here is continually dying to self. You know, I've often said the one best, the one with the best voice, is not necessarily the one qualified to sing. You know, it may depend on their their life. Um. You know these, these these people that wanted a position didn't qualify because there was a scriptural standard that it was impossible for them to meet because of past life. Oh, they were saved and 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 you know you know there was things they could do but they couldn't do what they thought they wanted. Um. And so it requires a surrendered life. All our you know. Somebody said all our abilities are dependent on one availability. You know, we have to be an acceptable sacrifice. In First Timothy chapter one, First Timothy chapter one, and you know there are again there are certain things that that require s- certain standards, but but in First Timothy chapter one and and verse uh, five, First Timothy one five. Says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Uh, And again there is having real faith, or not false faith. Uh, Verse 18 he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophets who went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwrecked of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So here is evidently two men, Hymenaeus and Alexander, had disqualified themselves from being usable in the church. So the first requirement is a surrendered life, a, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, a surrendered life. Secondly, it requires also a continual renewing of the mind. Notice in verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yet you know, the way that we know the will of God for our life is to continually renew the mind. There has to be a continual Renewing of the mind. Uh, he says, be transformed by the renewing. And it's an ongoing process. Ephesians 4:30, or not Ephesians 4:30, Ephesians 4:23 talks about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4:16, 2 Corinthians 4:16, that the, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. So we need to have this continual renewing or uh, refurnishing, if you want to put it that way, of our minds. It's just like refueling your body. You know, I can't, I can't live next week off of what I ate last week it's not possible No, I may live but I'm going to start getting thin and weak wouldn't hurt me for a while I know but you know, I'm going to start getting thin and weak after a while can't live off of last week's energy no I have to have it every day I need it every day. Uh, and again, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, when Paul was writing to young Timothy, and I stress this to young people at camp in, in the follow-up message of the week, <coughs> 1 Timothy 4, 6, he says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. The, the idea of nourished up is is the idea that you continually nourish yourself or feed yourself on the Word of God. It's the Word of God that gives us strength. It's the grace of God that enables us to live a victorious life. I was talking to the the Bible Institute class today about grace. You know, we're saved by grace, and we live the Christian life by grace. Titus 1, Titus 2.11 says... For the grace of God that bringeth salvation teacheth us that denying ungodliness and worldly love, lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. So the grace of God then is what enables us to live victorious Christian life as we take God at his word and apply it to everyday life. This is, this is a development. You know, the, the idea here is, the continual renewing of the mind, is the idea of developing our thought processes. Now you can you can develop your thought processes. You know, if you if you if you lived in the world before you got saved, you got to do your thinking. I understand that. You got to redo your thinking. You know the, the world is out to get us to think a certain way. They want to control our thought processes through media, you know, Hollywood. Uh, you know they're working to manipulate our minds. And 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 of course, the idea the world's idea is the end justifies the means. The word of God doesn't do any manipulating. It just says this is right. Look at Ephesians, for example, Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter 5. Your actions to change your thinking. Actions are the fruits of your thoughts. So first, If we're going to change, if we're going to be usable gifts, we have to have a continual renewing of that mind or begin to think the way God thinks for him to use us. Ephesians 5 verse 2 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the same subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at chapter 6 Verse one, children, obey your parents and the Lord, because it'll be good for you. Because it's right, simply it is right, and right. It's a command of God. We need to, so we need to develop or we need to renew our minds and change our thought processes. We do this because it's right in the sight of God. And you know, when we do what's right, the blessings will come. In in a in relationships, you know we can, we're not to live, we can't live, and in relationships we can't live on the feelings. Feelings are going to let you down. No, we live by the facts. This is right, and the, we then can enjoy the feelings. If we live by the facts, and so there needs to be this continual renewing of the mind where we think, we develop our thought process to think like God thinks. Well, that's how we're going to become a living sacrifice. There has to be that continual renewing of the mind. Uh, Thirdly, Humility, realizing that gifts come from God. Notice verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And again, in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So, uh, again, it's the gifts according to the grace that it's given to us. So, we have to realize that these gifts come from God. Come from God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, neither shadow of turning. If, if God has given you a gift to use for his glory, we need to remember that it came from him. There's no such thing as a man who's pulled himself up by his bootstraps. As the old saying is, you know, I'm just a self made man. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. A missionary one time said to a fellow that said that, he said, I want to see you try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, we're not indispensable. you realize God doesn't need us? He really doesn't need us. He's just perfect without us. He doesn't need us. But he delights in us. In, in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Paul said, For whom maketh thee to differ from another? Or what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hast not received it. So who made you different? Who made you different? No? Well, you know, I just made myself different. No. It's the grace of God working in your life that makes you different from the world. You know, but the interesting you know God doesn't need us, but he delights in us, and here's a puzzling thing to me. in you know, many times he limits himself to us. Let me illustrate what I mean by that. Go to mark chapter six Mark chapter six. <clears throat> Mark 6, verse 1. And He went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, "From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended with him. Now they were saying that in a derogatory way. Uh, Who does he think he is? You know, he's just that carpenter from over in Nazareth, and we know his we know his family. I mean, and he's out here trying to impress everybody with the wisdom he has. That's kind of they're kind of being sarcastic about his. But Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor, but in his own, but among his own kin and in his own house." He notice verse five. And he could there do no mighty work. save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching. You see, his, his ministry there was hampered or hindered because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. So we need to realize that gifts come from god they come from god they're not of us they're not something to glory in we are just the glory in the lord paul said you know it's it, it, it's you know it was a matter of duty for him uh, look at first corinthians chapter uh, 9 first corinthians chapter 9 <clears throat> first corinthians 9 he says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? So, so you know, of course, his apostleship was being questioned. And so he, he defends his apostleship. But if you notice what he says about it in verse 15. Uh, but I have news none of these things, neither have I written these things, that I should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. You know, though I'm an apostle, and I could brag about my gift. Paul said, it's not of me. I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is on me if I preach not the gospel. So it was a matter of and Though he preached the gospel, he had nothing to glory of. He realized that his his gift, his, and we should see it as a privilege, came from God. It was not of himself. Fourthly, our gifts are according as God hath dealt. Again, verse 3 says, For though, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that he gives, gives the gifts severally as he will. See, this is all in the, the gifts are all in the providence of God. They're of the Lord. You might say, why them and not me? When I was young and foolish, now I'm just old and foolish, I used to. I wish I could preach like that guy over there. Or you, you know, I'd look at uh, these pastors that had a larger church and be kind of envious. Now I was in Maryland one time at a Bible conference. You know, church three, four hundred time. I'm talking to the pastor and another evangelist. And they were talking about the work in Maine that I was involved in. And the evangelist said, I couldn't do that. And I thought, yeah, right. And the pastor said, he's got a big church. 3 He's got a Bible college and a Christian school. I couldn't do it either. He said, the Lord hadn't called us to that. I couldn't do it. You know, I began to realize God doesn't give us all the same thing. We're not all the same people. God doesn't make us hot dogs. You know, we're not all exactly the same. God gives us different gifts. You know, I had a lot of men in the sense say, I could have never done that. I mean, but anybody could have done it. Excuse my English. Anybody could do it if the Lord led them to do it. Because God enables you and gives you the gifts to do his will. We have to remember the gifts are according as God hath dealt, not according to our will. Romans chapter 9, verse 19. Thou wilt say then unto me... Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why Hast thou not made? Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another unto dishonour? Of course, this is talking about Pharaoh and also Esau and Jacob. But but the point here I want to make is God gives the gifts according as. as He wills. Fifthly, once you notice the purpose, of course the purpose of gifts is to profit the body. Notice verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body. So we're talking about a church. It's a body. It's a body. And there's many members. We have, what, thirty members of this body. Just like your physical body has many members. So, having members in one body, all members have not the same office. They all have the same function. So, we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So, the gifts are given, all the gifts are given to prophets The body. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for a moment here. 1 Corinthians 12. And verse 7. Again, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now notice, notice he gives a list of members here. Uh, He's talking about our physical, he compares the church to the physical body. Uh, Verse 18 says, But now hath God set in the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Now, the word comely means pleasing appearance. Pleasing appearance, the attractiveness, beautiful features. Is there a lot of value in that? But I can live without my hair. But people do think I'm more handsome. You know, beauty is all in the the eye of the beholder, Uh, but but you know, we spend a lot of time on things, the outward appearance that really, when you boil it all down, really doesn't. Affect us all that much. Now it does affect a little bit. I mean, if you come in here tonight, looking all disheveled, and you know, uh, distraught and and uh, you know, uh, uncapped, we'd say something wrong, and you probably would would be something wrong. Uh, you know, first impressions are sometimes lasting ones. We don't want our church looking like a dump. But the feeble, the word feeble here, that he's talking about the feeble parts, means weak and firm or insignificant. How important are your tonsils? Some of you probably don't even have them. But each tonsil consists of a network of crypts or pits that store cells used to fight infection. Now they used to say, used to think tonsils had no function. Of course, I don't believe God would put anything in the body that didn't have a function. They used to say the appendix had no function too, but they found out it does. But the tonsils fight um, things like Pneumonia, influenza, numerous infections, basically. Uh, so they do have a purpose. They are important. they the, but they're a feeble part. Um, you know, but the, but the, the, comely part, He talks about the comely parts, and of course, there's parts that we do not see. Uh, you know, did you wake up this morning and say, "I wonder how my pancreas is operating." That thing it looks like a sweet potato. Which they say sweet potatoes are good for your pancreas. Well, anyway. Uh, or, or how's my liver working? Or my gallbladder, or my lungs, or my heart, or my brain. Well, if your brain ain't working too good, you'd probably know it. But <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you could wake up and not know that you've got a heart problem. But that could be life threatening. It's something that's not seen. And yet can be, has is such a vital part of the life of the body. And so many times, there's things that we really don't see with the eye or behold with the eye in a church that are vital to the life of the church. Do you know what gave Metropolitan Tabernacle Life. Charles Spurgeon was pastoring it was prayer. Prayer. Um, You know, people doing personal work, involved in prayer, having a prayer ministry, uh, doing personal work. You know, these again are, are gifts to profit the body. And so, the purpose of all the gifts, and I'm not going to get into what the gifts are tonight. It lists them here, and there's a list in First Corinthians 12. are given to profit the whole body, to make the body function or work together in unity. In fact, if you notice in there in 1 Corinthians chapter, 20, or chapter 12, and verse, uh, I think it's verse, um, yeah, verse 25. Verse 24. Our company parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, and one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Uh, so the, the purpose of giving us gifts or talents is to be, is to profit the whole body. Profit the whole body. And of course we have different we all have different gifts and there are different degrees of fruit bearing. Remember in the parable of the sower Jesus talked about some bring 30 fold, some bring 60 fold, some bear 100 fold. Different degrees of fruit bearing. But the gifts are to profit with all. And then also the gifts, most gifts in First Corinthians chapter 12, go over there, are related to sign gifts. First <coughs> Corinthians 12, um, a lot of these gifts, for example, verse 9 says, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, Another discerning of spirits, another diverse kinds of tongues or languages, to another interpretation of tongues. So, but all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, if you go to chapter 13, verse 13, again, he's talking about charity and, and talking in the whole context of 12, 13, 14 is gifts. And he says in verse 13, now, now abideth faith, hope, and charity these three, but the greatest of these is charity, and follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. So we ought to desire, you know, we ought to use our gifts and abilities, but we ought to desire to please the Lord, to love the Lord with all of our heart. The greatest is love. You know, Jesus said in John 13, and then again in John 14, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love one another. chapter Romans chapter 13 verse 8. he says, "O no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth to fill the law. And love is giving. Biblical love is giving. It's giving ourselves completely to the Lord. And if we want the Lord to use our gifts and talents for Him, we have to give ourselves to the Lord. We have to give ourselves to the Lord. And allow Him to use them to bring glory and honor to Himself. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. now not only must we have a surrendered life but we have to use and of course these things all go together but we have to use or exercise the gifts that God has given us notice Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 for when for the time Ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are be such, become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. One that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, Here is an old say. If you don't lose use it, you'll lose it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. That, I believe, is a biblical principle. In the parable of the talents, and in the parable of the talents, Jesus gave you know, five, two, and one, and then he gave ten, five, and two. And the ones that used their talents or their pounds, he increased but the one who didn't who went and hid his lord's money in the earth he took it from him and gave it to the one who had ten why? because he didn't use it he didn't use it you know, we need to Hebrews 5 here tells us that we have our senses, the faculty of the mind for perceiving and understanding. You know, if we don't use that, we're going to lose it. There was a, you know, I think a lot of older people, and this is just my opinion, but I have older people. And I think a lot of older people go see now. I don't know if that's the right word. But they can't think, right, because they don't exercise their minds on the right things. There was an old fellow that came to church here for a while. He was in his mid-80s, and he was as sharp as a tack. He said, I read the Bible a lot, and I do a lot of reading. I try to keep my mind sharp. What was he doing? He was using it. He He was exercising his senses to keep it sharp. have their senses exercised. The word exercise, (laughs) strongs, means to practice naked. In other words, to put out everything that would hinder or distract, uh, as as Hebrews 12 says, to lay aside every weight. You know, we, we have a lot of stuff we, we, we in our society have a lot of things that distract us. Now, we call them time-saving gadgets. But somehow we still don't have time to spare. Because I think we just try to do more things. <laughs> no. We need The Bible says to exercise thyself unto godliness. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. He says. But refuse profane and old wise fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So we need to. We need to. If we're going to use our gifts. In service for the Lord. We have to exercise them. We have to exercise them. Use them develop them and of course we need to develop our relationship and our walk with the Lord through a surrendered life and renewing of their mind and then allowing God God gives those gifts to profit the and then use them to glorify and honor him it may not be something prominent it doesn't matter it's just as important to God even if it seems insignificant to everyone else. Uh, so, might God help us to use our gifts to glorify Him, knowing that He's given them to us to profit the body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time you were tonight. Thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. And truly, it is a privilege. And I pray you'd help us as your people here at Lighthouse Baptist Church to seek to fulfill the role that you have given us to, to fulfill. Whether it be import, seem important or insignificant, but help us just be faithful in doing that which you've asked of us to do to profit the body for the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be glorified and souls might be saved and added to the church. We do pray in Jesus' name.